Now you're on to football centric. Okay, everyone, welcome once again to football centric. Now it's been a while we ran a podcast. I, I think it's about like uh, six months. I mean, my bad, but I just need to take a break and strategize and bring something really, really fresh. And in bringing something really fresh, I just thought about it. Rather than run solo as I used to, why not co-host with someone who is equally capable, who can do, if not better than I can, on this job? And um, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, uncles and aunts, fathers and sons, brothers and sisters, please make welcome Damilo Jusaliu. It's good to be here. I mean, why go for a one-man attack when you can go for a two-man attack where you're guaranteed to have way more goals? We've seen some traditional two up top in Premier League history and all over world football that have gone on to dominate. So it's good to be here. And Football Centric is back with a bang. Brilliant. I mean, I can't say it even better. Why go one striker when you can have two? Just like having two Ronaldo's top striking. Nobody... Nobody can stop the attack, can they? I mean, definitely not. Sounds like having Ronaldo and Messi on the same team, one getting to create for the other. No need for the argument. You just have both goods on the field of play at the same time for the same team. I mean, it's such a delight to have you on board, bro. What's going on? I'm super excited. I mean, we were also irritated by what the coronavirus pandemic had done to the whole of football. And now... Every single way you turn to, there's football in action. We the Premier League, we the La Liga, the Serie A. We have title races to look forward to. We have races for the top four. The Bundesliga kicked it off. And now every single time is back-to-back-to-back football in action. I mean, that's what we hope for during the lockdown. I mean, you get, like, during the lockdown, it was such a bore. Nothing to watch, nothing to look forward to. It was just a constant repeat of every single day. But now we have a plethora of games to watch out for in Spain, in Italy, in England as well. Come on. This is like heaven for football fans because you get to watch football almost every single day. And that's why we're here to critique and um, drop some real, really in-depth analysis of events that unfold in the ever-interesting world of football. So, on our itinerary today, we'll kick things off with what's happening in England, or rather, what's happening in England. (laughs) Liverpool, last week, Thursday, were crowned champions. Just a week... Almost a week after, they got totally butchered <laughs> by the guy who did not <laughs> So can we just run through Liverpool's game on um, Wednesday night? What, what happened? Because, I mean, I was watching it, I don't know, I was watching it partly. I was in my room and going out to the parlour to see what the score was. And every time I went back, there was a yeah. goal score. It was 1-0, 2-0, 3-0, and then 4-0. In fact, it turned 5. But Vieira was to the rescue yeah. for, for, for Liverpool. And um, I don't know, like, it just didn't click for them on Thursday. What was it, rather? What happened? What do you think happened? Okay, so the first thing I'm going to say is it's not as bad as the scoreline suggested. At certain points in that game, Liverpool actually looked like they could take the lead. A lot of people will remember that Salah actually hit the foot of the post and Liverpool had some decent chances. What I would say was, you know, when you are building up to something, you're waiting for something, you've saved money for so long to buy a particular item and then sometimes while you're saving money, you're like, okay, if I get this new phone, I'm going to press it every single second of every single day. And then you save money and you buy the phone and then 
maybe a few days after you can realize that, okay, I can actually do without pressing the phone for a few seconds. I'm not going to press it as frequently as I thought I was going to initially. I think that's what happened with Liverpool. They had won the league on a cutter already. They had blown everybody away. And I just feel this Liverpool team that we've talked a lot about their mentality, that's what has driven them so far this season. They just had a little slip up. There was really not much to play for. And Manchester City, Pep Guardiola, who was absolutely livid at how his team has performed over the course of the season, took them to the cleaners. I mean, um, Pep Guardiola definitely would have loved every single bit of the goals his team scored, considering the fact that, you know, he just lost the title to Liverpool. But, I mean, we can't take anything away from Liverpool over the course of the past months in regards to this title. They totally blew every single team yeah. apart. So let's quickly run through how they won the title. So, I mean, the question is really, whether that's good or was it that teams just didn't rise to the occasion? Because normally we get to see two, three teams battle out probably to like match and mm-hmm. then we get to see a two-horse race down to play. But this time around, it was just Liverpool sailing to the title without any possible threat. Without Titi would pose a threat by just they, just, they just couldn't, you know, rise to the occasion this season. What really happened? Were they just that good? Or teams just in right. I think it's a combination of both. I think you have to look at both sides of the spectrum. First of all, Liverpool in 32 games have won 28. That is a ridiculous number. That's a little less than 90% win ratio, and they've only lost two games. And we know really the Man City one, they only probably lost because they had actually won the league. So I think you can't take anything away from Liverpool. Last season, they had seven draws and only one loss. This season, they've been able to convert those draws to wins. They've only drawn two games. And like I said, one was when the whole season was in active flow and then the others, the other was against Everton when we came back from the whole coronavirus pandemic. So I think credit must go to Liverpool. They have done really well, but also you have to put some blame at the foot of all the chasing packets especially Manchester City. Manchester City have already lost double the number of games that they lost in 38 matches last season than they have in 32 games this season. They've been piss poor. They've had issues defensively. Laporte's injury has really hampered them. And they've just looked really unreliable this season. Uh, The likes of Aguero are getting injured. Kevin De Bruyne is doing well. But you just get a feeling that Manchester City have not been able to do as well. They considered 23 goals last season after 38 games. They've already considered 33 in 32 games, they're considering over one goal per game. So definitely Manchester City didn't pull their weight when it comes to potentially defending the title for the third time, but Liverpool were by miles better than any other Premier League side this season. I think personally, I totally agree with you. I also think personally, Liverpool seem to be a lot more hungry than every other team, considering the fact that last year, they came just so close to winning the title. It went down to the wire, Till City won that game um, right at the death. Uh, and um, Or rather, when they won the league right at the death, Liverpool were as hungry as City were. And this time around, they realised that, you know what, if we went a whole season losing just one game, I think we can do better by converting those draws to results. And I think that's what they did very well this season. Uh, and um, congratulations to them. They were absolutely phenomenal. And one thing I could I, I took away from Liverpool's uh, performances all for this season was the fact that even when they failed to play yeah. well, they were able to grind our results. And that, that's like a hallmark of You should know how to grind our results. And for City, they just couldn't do that. A couple of games where they failed to turn up, they lost. Particularly against Wolves. Yeah. Um, against um, They lost Wolves home and away. Um, they lost also to Chelsea just after the break. Although we could say probably because 
you know, it's we could we could make excuses mm-hmm. for them because it's over the break. But even before the the, the coronavirus lost lockdown, to... there were a lot of games where they lost, they lost yeah. to Norwich, Manchester United, the home away against United. Also, I mean, so they lost some games where you expect City to have you know turned over results in there. But one thing we can't take away from this is the fact that uh, City's Liverpool's title definitely would spark something in Pep Guardiola. That TV still remains in Manchester City. Uh, and they might definitely be looking at next year and saying, you know what? Losing this one hurts. We're making sure we're making sure we're going to go next season to win this title. And um, it will start, it will be very rosy for them. I mean, considering the fact that right now they've lost um, Leroy Sané to Matsu to uh, Bayern Munich, means that they will have to go all out to get players, defenders, and attackers too. Because Aguero seems to be on the very um, twilight of his career. He's getting older, he's picking up injuries very often these days. So they probably will need to rebuild. And when City says they want to rebuild, yeah. you know what they mean. They're going to spend a lot of money. So how much money would City have to spend to, you know, be that title winning side they used to be or they just were last Okay, season. so I think for the attack, you already made a brilliant point. Leroy Sane officially confirmed today to Bayern Munich. But I think from what we've seen post-lockdown, City might actually not necessarily need to get a winger to replace Leroy Sane. Phil Foden has scored or assisted in every single game since after the coronavirus pandemic and Pep Guardiola went as far as saying he's the best talent he has ever worked with and Pep Guardiola you remember had coached Lionel Messi what I think Manchester City must do they must sign a world-class centre-back Laporte's injury really hampered them this season Fernandino came in and did a decent job but if they're going to go back there I already mentioned how they've considered over one goal per game they must sign a world-class centre-back they have the best striker in the league they just need to keep him fit they have the best midfielder in the league I mean he has been scoring and creating goals at the battalions and then even though David Silva is going to retire every sky has a silver lining the Etihad has two once David comes off Bernardo slots straight in so I don't think Manchester City have an issue when it goes to midfield an attack but that defense they need I think they need a new left back Benjamin Mendy feels more of a social media influencer than a left back Zinchenko is not the kind of player you want starting for Manchester City and of course I've talked about the centre back when you have the likes of Otamendi John Stones you need to sort things out the only centre back Man City have right now is Amerik Laporte okay definitely need to the whole point is City definitely need to rebuild and it's interesting to see how that takes off this um, this transfer window is already open, and um, let's see how they fare in making those transfers and try to rejig their squad to see if they can also mount another title challenge next season. Now, still remaining in the Premier League, let's talk about another mm. battle that is taking center stage this period. I mean, the title is already won. Now it's time for those guys who want to maintain top four, top four finishes to actually slug it out, and it doesn't get <laughs> crazy than this. <laughs> four teams. Right now, are fighting for potential, fighting for two positions, and could potentially rise yeah. to three if City's ban is upheld. Yeah, and um, four teams. I mean, Leicester City, Chelsea, United, and Wolves. And of the four of them, two currently seem to be very willing to jeopardize their position. <laughs> I'm talking about Leicester City, who more than Chelsea, um, you know, become so 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 reluctant to take up their third position. They are offering it to other teams, like hey. Chelsea, you want this position? Come get it. They're asking Wolves, they're asking United. I mean, it's up for grabs. Come and get it because since the lockdown, since the Super resumed after the lockdown, they have dropped points in all yeah. the matches they played. They have not won a single game. They have lost um, one, 
They've drawn two, and in fact, lost out of the FA Cup to Chelsea just a few days ago. So, I mean, let's make a case for this team. There's Leicester City, there's Chelsea, there's United, there's Wolves. And it's interesting to note that the teams who have been fighting very, very hard for these top four finishes are teams who are currently fifth and sixth, United and Wolves. But what do you think is going to happen? In okay, so let me, say, let me state the very first thing I think is going to happen. I think the battle for the top four is going to go down to the final day. And it's super interesting. I'm excited because on the final day of the Premier League, we're going to see Wolves take on Chelsea and Leicester City take on Manchester United. We could potentially have the top four <laughs> battle decided on match week 38 even though the league has been done and dusted so far. I'll run through a few scenarios. First of all, when we look at form, since football resumed post-coronavirus, no team has picked up more points than Wolves. They've won all three matches that they've played since the Premier League resumed. The second on that form table is Manchester United. Manchester United have been able to pick up two wins and a draw. That tells you that when it comes to form and banging in the results right now, it is Wolves and Manchester City that have the edge. So they actually have momentum on their side to try to push back into the top four. For Leicester City, like you said, they picked up only two points. They are really struggling. Chelsea have picked up the points, but the performances haven't been so great. They've picked up six out of a possible nine. Making a case for each team, I have my biggest fears for Leicester City. And here's why. It is harder at this stage of the season, I feel, to keep... The chasing pack at bay when you are in the rut of your life with form. Leicester City don't have the biggest squad depth and their main man, Jimmy Vardy, has only scored two goals in 13 Premier League games. And I'll have you know that those two goals came in a particular match. He went nine games without a goal. He scored a brace in that game and he has gone three games post-lockdown without scoring. I really think Leicester City are going to struggle. The only piece of solace that they might have is that the remaining six teams that they're going to play in the Premier League in the reverse fixture they picked up 15 points they only lost to Manchester United but here's where it gets tricky they have Arsenal in that run they've got Sheffield United in that run they've got Spurs in that run and they've got Manchester United it looks diabolical for the Foxes right now I mean no guarantees for winning those the the reverse fixtures because these games are going to be really really battlegrounds for Leicester City to get points off because I mean Think about it. You played against guys who you potentially will fight against these same top four positions yeah, for yeah. in this same group. It's it's almost impossible to pin to pencil out games where you say, okay, you know what, we're gonna get three points if you're less than five. Because you played against Sheffield United, who recorded a victory mm-hmm. pause just a few days ago. You're gonna play against the Manchester United, who are also fighting for top four finishes. I, I mean, you played against Arsenal, who seem to be resurgent, considering the fact that they've won two games in the last two matches right now, says a lot about what's really is happening or what's really going to happen to Leicester City if they fail to galvanize themselves and start getting the results. But if they do, then it's going to be quite interesting to see what happens. But let's quickly look at Manchester United so far. I mean, they've got 15 games without a single loss in almost all competitions. And you just have to say this, what has really turned around for United? Because um, at the beginning of the season, they're looking like they're going to struggle to finish Mm -hmm. top four and back five four. It was looking like we we're going to fight for you know top six finishes, but right now they 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 I even trying to look at further than finishing top four. They want to finish as, as high as third, and that's if Leicester City and Chelsea fail to hold on to their positions. But I mean, what really has turned around for United? Because this clearly wasn't the side we saw. I think it's pretty obvious. This is the most straightforward question anyone could answer at this point. What has become 
what has turned United's fortunes around is simply towards Bruno Fernandes. That is it. Since Bruno Fernandes made his debut for Manchester United, they have not lost a single game in all competitions. And I know I can go to the numbers. He has already had four goals and one assist in his last five games. But it's not just the numbers. It's the fact that once Bruno Fernandes is on the field of play, Manchester United are just automatically a better team. He just pushes the team forward. He finds the runs of the likes of Martial, Rashford, Igalo, when Igalo gets to play for Manchester United. So I think the signing of Bruno Fernandes in January has really helped Manchester United. You wonder what could have been if Manchester United signed him in January. I think of all the teams, personally, Manchester United have the best chance, if I'm looking on paper, to actually make it yeah. to the top four. Yeah, I mean, their last six games, Bournemouth are 19th, Villa are 18th, Southampton are 14th, Palace are 12th, West Ham are 16th, and Leicester are 5th. So, in fact, Manchester United play four of the bottom, five of the bottom six, four of the bottom six, rather, in their last six games, and they play Palace, who are 12th. The only issue there is, if you look at the reverse fixtures, Manchester United were only able to pick up five points. But I mean, that's a thing of the distant past. I really think Manchester United could comfortably, from this running, get 14 points, I guess. Maybe a draw against Leicester, and a draw somewhere else, and win the rest of the games. They can't even get 16, and it's also possible for them to get all the teams. I think, on paper right now, my money is odds on for Manchester United to actually make it in the Champions League. I mean, as hard as it is, I think I just have to agree with you because United right now are playing beyond my imagination. If you'd ask me as a January, if United will get as far as close to Leicester City as, as they are right now, I probably would have said this. Because <laughs> the team I've seen there weren't as close to this team I'm seeing right now because right now they play such amazing football. They pass the ball around. I mean, it's maybe you'd say it's confidence, but you just have to say that at some point in time, one player can just change the whole dynamism of a team. Credit to Bruno Fernandes. He came on board. I mean, I, the first game I saw him play for United was the game against yeah. Chelsea. And um, he was, I mean, he was a star man. You know, you know, you just know there's something True. different about this guy. The way he passes the ball, how he just tries to pull things off. And things just come through him naturally. So I think United have found that guy that they can properly build their team around. You know, gonna the days where the talk was around was about building the team around Paul Oba and all these things. Right now, Bruno Fernandes is the guy who makes that team tick. And if he keeps doing that, I'm pretty, pretty sure that United will definitely see a top of finish. Because, I mean, it's it's quite obvious that Leicester City really, really aren't doing too much to mm-hmm. hold on to the position. And I think Chelsea, well, maybe I might sound, sound a, bit, a bit partisan, but I think Chelsea might still sneak in. Um, Wolves also have a couple of games to play that will be very dicey, considering the fact that they're playing against Arsenal this weekend. Although Arsenal really are not that great, but they can still try to pull off some surprises against a team like Wolves. But United right now are riding on such a high confidence. If they play against Barcelona or Real Madrid, they stand a chance of getting a fair result because of this Bruno Fernandes. I mean, he's turned the team around. They have, set, they have stopped considering as many goals sure, as they used to I heard they've considered just four goals in a lot of games. I mean, that says a lot about what an impact a player can make if you just make the, if you make the signing right. And I think United definitely... Are really, really, really on, 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 on course to have a top four finish if they continue this way. And what I tell them, I mean, they definitely will continue yeah. this way because of the players they have and the form they are yeah. on right now. In fact, people are really focusing about Marcus yeah. Rashford because yeah. he hasn't delivered yeah. since lockdown since. It's all about Marcus Rashford. Nobody seems to care. 
exactly nobody seems to care because they've got replaced they've got guys who are already doing the work goals are coming from the midfield now and Martial is already banging the goals I mean they got his first hat-trick in his career just last week so it says a lot about United really 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 making a huge huge challenge for a top off finish and I'm pretty sure they will get it if Leicester City slips or rather if their if their decline continues and United definitely continue on these forms so let's quickly run away from the Premier League uh, we've talked a lot about all those things that happen right now. But again, quickly run straight to La Liga, where at some point it was Barcelona, you know, looking like it was going to be their 10th title in three years. And then they sacked their coach and brought in another manager whose, whose philosophy, they said, aligns with mm-hmm. theirs. And we're hoping it was going to be, uh, you know, a normal, a traditional Barcelona who would pass the ball joyfully around and then have like a 6-0, yeah. 5-0 victory in almost all the matches. And no way, it didn't turn out that way. Because right now, Barcelona are five points behind Real Madrid. Nobody would have expected this at the point where um, Ernesto Valdebardi was still in charge. But this is the reality right now. And Real Madrid are just on course to seal their second title since 2020. Okay. This was... More like a script. I, I mean, me. it, it's it's so interesting. The same way, if you were asked in January, you have probably slapped anybody who have said Manchester United will make it to the top four. It's the same thing. I was having a discussion. I think as early as May, yes, maybe late May, as early yeah. as late May, and then I I stuck my neck out and said Barcelona was still going to win the La Liga when the La Liga was about to resume. But they have had a lot of issues. We know they have issues off the field, their financial issues, but also on the field of play. In the six games since the La Liga resumed, Barcelona have scored 11 goals. But the challenge is it has been solely dependent on Messi. In those 11 goals, Messi has scored four and Messi has assisted four. And Barcelona have drawn three of their last four games. Now, for those who don't understand, drawing three games is dropping six points, which is pretty much the same thing as losing two games. It has been really hard for Barcelona. Now they're on 70 points. Real Madrid are on 74. They find themselves four points behind. Real Madrid have won all six games. I do not see how Barcelona are going to be able to wrestle this league from Real Madrid simply because even if both teams finish on the same points, Real Madrid have superior head-to-head. So for Barcelona to win the league too, yeah. they need to win their remaining matches. They need to win every single one. And Madrid is either have to draw one and lose one or they have to lose two. It's going to be very difficult for Barcelona. There's a lot of rumbling in the camp right now. But let's even assume, let's assume that Barcelona are able to channel something and are able to win all their games. Real Madrid have the likes of Athletic Bilbao. Deportivo Alves, Granada, Villarreal, and Leganes. These are all very winnable matches. Very, very winnable matches for Real Madrid. For Barcelona, theirs is a lot tougher. They play Villarreal next. Villarreal are a very tricky opposition. And then they have a Catalan derby against Espanyol. So we could even have a situation where La Liga is done with about three or four games to spare. I think Barcelona have really mismanaged things. I think they've been too reliant on Messi. And I think it would be a messy situation if he actually gets to leave by the end of next year. Commit me to say, don't leave me, don't leave me, because I... <laughs> That's what he'll be saying to Lionel Messi right now, definitely. Oh, I know, right? Because, I mean, how did they get this? How, how, how did they, you know, get this all wrong? I mean, talking about Barcelona, because this used to be the... Prima Duna of all clubs, a club where you felt all these things were always on check. They used to pride themselves as being more yeah. than a club. But right now, they are in absolute shambles. Looking at how 
their decision making has been because looking at the transfers they've made in recent years, I mean, it looks like a house that is totally out of order. Like, it's, they're, they're having problems with the players. Players are complaining about political issues right there at the board level. Uh, Messi's talking about leaks and all these things. It is not just smooth sailing in Barcelona right now. And it is going to be very, very hard to procure a solution for them. But what's really happening right there at the Catalan? Okay, so I think it starts from the top. There's been a lot of cloud and a lot of issues in the boardroom for Barcelona. And it's very obvious in the signings that they've made. I think when a house is not in order, that's when you get to see furniture being moved around and plates breaking, if I can use that analogy. That's exactly what's happening with Barcelona. Because of all the issues that are happening at the top, it has trickled onto the field of play. Let's look at some of the players Barcelona have signed recently. Osmani Dembele, 105 million euros. Coutinho, 120. Griezmann also over 100 million euros. They've not been able to spend wisely and it feels like they keep sinking into more financial obscurity. This was bound to have an effect on the players on the field of play. And football is a game, it's a sport where form plays a huge role. We just spoke about Manchester United extensively and conversely Leicester City. Barcelona seem like they just can't get out of their own heads and that's exactly what's happening. I think what they need to do at this point, forget La Liga for the 2019-2020 season, it's done. Focus on the UEFA Champions League. Give yourself a chance to win the trophy for the first time in five years. They have a decent tie against Napoli in the second leg. Go on and win that one, hope you avoid the likes of Bayern Munich in the final, and then go on win the Champions League and settle down and have a wipe through from top to bottom. And of course, you have to get Messi to sign that deal. Even the most optimistic Barcelona fan out there doesn't fancy side winning Champions League. <laughs> I mean, look at look at the squad they have right now. Do you fancy them against better squad who are well odd? Or uh, like Bayern Munich right now, or likes of Real Madrid too. Who are well, yeah, Real Madrid, Madrid very much in the who could, yeah, who could possibly get through over Real Madrid in the Champions? Talking about Manchester sure. City. I mean, if I were a Barcelona fan right now, I probably would just forget about this season and say, you know what, let's get it straight next year. And things are not even going to get better, considering the fact that right now they just concluded a deal that would see author move to Juventus and Pjanic mm-hmm. move the other way around. And uh, people are also talking about, you know what, where is, where is the focus actually? Because you're getting a 30-year player for someone who is seven years <laughs> young. It's simple. It's basic. I mean, where is it? It's a people talk about the finances, you know, talk about how, like, they're using it to, you know, measure yes. their books. That's basically it. But think about it too. On, on the football inside, where exactly are you heading to? Considering the fact that Barcelona right now currently would have over about seven players who are going to be over mm-hmm. 30. Likes of Busquets, uh, uh, um, talking about Luis Suarez, Jordi Alba, you know, Messi, yeah. Varakitid, Arturo, Vidal. I mean, where where is it going to end? You, get, you need a refreshing report. And um, I don't think the guys who are handling stations up there in Barcelona's board are really, really thinking straight. And if they are, it's clearly not obvious when one. Yeah, I agree with you on this one. So for the first question, talking about how, where do they go from here and how do they sort it out? I think the first thing they understood, it's picking the better of two evils. Barcelona are already in a horrible place off and on the field of play. Now, the club cannot run on the field 
if matters are not sorted out off the field of play. We know they have a large debt. There are reports of a debt of almost 800 million euros a few months back. So what Barcelona are trying to do is they want to clear up as much from their books so that they don't have issues with eyes prying into them and they maybe have to go into administrator, administration or whatever the case may be. So that's the primary reason for the PNH auto swap. Now, going away from that, I already said Barcelona are actually going to need because it's going to be difficult. I don't see them signing any quality players that are actually going to uplift the score. So what they will have to do first and foremost, get Messi to sign a contract. Then if you do that, they're going to have, actually have to sit down with that team. I don't know whether they're going to need a new manager. Something has to change. And Barcelona fans need to understand at this point, they've been sports for choice. They've been sports silly with trophies. It's a rebuilding process that is going on at the Catalan club. It might take two, three or even four years to get them back to where they're supposed to be. 100% sure Barcelona fans can't wait for that long. Yeah. They will definitely be throwing down that club if after a season they don't look like they're ready to challenge for a title or any major titles anywhere else. Anyways, let's quickly leave what's happening right there in Spain and head straight to that peninsula where things are really, really taking shape. Um, that's in Italy, where currently Juventus are on track to win their ninth league title in no guesses for asking or no prizes for asking rather nine years. I mean, it's like almost they could easily just rename the league Juventus <laughs> League. People won't have a problem with it because Juventus right now they just they could just have like a terrible start to the season and still pick up in November and still end up winning the title because that's that's been the case over the past years. And this time around, Mauricio Sari definitely knew before he even joined them that if he joins Juventus. There is a very, very, very good chance that will end up winning his first title as a manager. And that's what's happening right now. They are currently four points club, Lazio, eight points club, Inter Milan. Though you would say Lazio and Inter Milan, are, and um, rather Lazio and Juventus are going to battle out for a title finish. But, I mean, it's Juventus against Lazio. It's like, it's, it's, it's like David versus Goliath. Because Juventus have the world yeah. experience, have more quality players. And, I mean, it's, it's, obviously going to be the Juventus title eventually, but we just need to just be very, very formal and objective and say it's a two-horse yeah, well, race. Personally, I think the, the title race ended when Lazio lost 3-2 to Atalanta. Not just about the loss, the manner yeah. in which they lost. Lazio were leading by two goals to nothing and they found a way to bottle yeah. it. There's something we've seen happen over the years in Italy and you talked about experience. That's why a lot of people say you can't put money on experience. Juventus just know how to see out a season. They are very good at it. Two seasons ago, it looked like Napoli were going to wrestle the league for Juventus, especially after beating Juventus and Turin by a goal to nothing. And in the final four games, I think Napoli went on to drop either four or five points and Juventus finished with 95. Napoli had 91. You to just know how to get things done. You know how to get things wrapped. Over the last 15 games, only Lazio have had a better form. Yeah, Juventus have lost three in that period and won 12. Lazio have won 12, drawn two and lost one. But you just look at this Juventus team and you know they're going to get it done. If there's a team in a league that is not going to bottle it up, it's just Juventus. Let's not even throw in Cristiano Ronaldo there, who is known and very notorious for coming up crutch for his club side and his country. I think this is pretty much done. And that's the last year I've done very well this season. But just like Napoli two seasons ago, they just didn't have that world of experience to carry it till the end of the season. So talking about Lazio, I mean, this definitely will go down as one of, one of their best seasons 
in yeah. millions. I mean, nobody would have thought about Lazio fighting for a title come this part of the season. But here they are, four points by Juventus. They definitely will be very, very happy with themselves. I mean, back in the Champions League after a very, very, very long time. In fact, I can't remember in recent years, last time I had last year, and Champions very League true. in the same sentence. But next year, we'll be, we'll be having that. I mean, big ups to them, though, because even if they don't win the league title, they definitely will be very contented with what they have got. And let's talk about Inter Milan. Mm. I mean, um, Antonio Conte. When this season started, personally, I, I thought it was going to be a very. I think was, I thought it was clear for me, you know, that this title was going to be Inter I and so Juve. That was the battle, and at some point, it was leaving up to be. Yeah. You get like he was Juve and Inter Milan here week in week out fighting for points, and it was one point was. Then Juventus lost, um, then Inter lost Juventus in that um, classic derby. And um, here we are, eight points behind um, Juventus. But you definitely can't rule out a country side in Italy, considering the fact that even these Juventus that are right now firing on all cylinders every single season, he was the guy who started it all in 2012 when he was the, when he built that squad that went, that, that won, was it two straight, won two straight league titles. And then, you know, they kick, they kick things off from there. Yeah, I mean, I think that, that's the biggest disappointment for me in the Serie A so far this season, Inter Milan. I had really high hopes for Inter Milan. I really thought they were going to be able to get things done. I felt they were the ones going to wrestle the thing away from Juventus, especially when they brought in a manager who was notorious for winning the Serie A with Juventus. But I'll just go back to that period that you spoke about where Napoli lost, where Inter Milan lost to Juventus, drew against Napoli. They were able to beat Samdu and then the juice of swallow that was where for me the league came crumbling down for them I think that's exactly where all the wheels came up and for Antonio Conte will feel really disappointed because he's been able to develop a reputation for being able to go to places win leagues and even when he doesn't win leagues he actually gives a huge challenge to those who are chasing the league I think for Inter Milan they are a work in progress this season was it didn't go as well as it could have for them but it's still a decent season they've gotten a Traf Hakimi who I feel would be the perfect fit as a right Going back on Antonio Conte. We've seen his numbers going forward for Dortmund. He can also put in a shift defensively. I think what's going to happen is Lazio, this has been a fairy tale season. I think next season, Inter Milan are going to give Juventus a real run for their money. But hey, we said the same thing this season. Exactly. We said the same thing, exactly the same thing at the beginning of the season. Like it was going to be Inter versus Juventus. And here we are. Inter are not even in the question for who's going to win title this time around. But <laughs> let's see what happens next year. And hopefully, uh, Angelo Conte would have, you know, finally found the missing pieces to yeah. his puzzle and eventually get his um, horses running once again. And um, straight off, I, I think that's a wrap on the series. Let's quickly run through transfers before we wrap up this edition. On transfers, I mean, a lot of mm-hmm. things have been happening so far. Teams have already made um, mouth-watering signings Queuing Chelsea, who already completed two major signings, acquiring Akim Ziyech from Ajax, and most recently, um, um, Timo Werner from RB Leipzig. Now, I mean, it's quite obvious. Chelsea needed a rebuild. They haven't signed a player in about two, three, in about two windows yeah. right now, and um, needed to make adjustments to their four-three lineup. But don't you think they need more than just these two they players? They definitely do need more than these two players. Now, I understand why they went for Timo Werner and Hakim Zaj 
Pedro is leaving. He's going to join Roma immediately. The season officially finishes. And even though news broke today of Chelsea reopening contract talks with William, I'm sure some part of the Chelsea hierarchy are okay with William actually leaving. And they need wingers. Kalomotin has been struggling with injuries and then he's had a lot of baggage off the field. Pulisic is going into his own, but ZH Werner, Werner might also substitute as a striker. He might also be deployed as a striker. But the way I have issues with Chelsea's recruitment is the role of importance. Yes, they've sorted out the attack. They have two wingers and a striker because I feel Werner can do both. But like we saw in the display against West Ham a few days ago, Chelsea are very suspect defensively. They need a new centre-back. They definitely need at least a new left-back, if not changing the pair of Marcos Alonso and Emerson Palmieri. They also probably need a goalkeeper right now because Kepa has the worst (laughs) shot-stopping starts in the whole of the Premier League. And when you look at the connections to Chelsea, for transfers, you're hearing things like Kai Havertz, players of an attacking mode. I think if Chelsea are going to make three signings, three more signings, it definitely has to be in this order, a centre-back, a left-back, and a goalkeeper. Okay. I mean, I think that's a very fair point, considering the fact that Chelsea notoriously have been very atrocious defensively. I think think only two teams in the whole of the top 10 in the Premier League have considered more goals than Chelsea. Ridiculous. And that's, that's absolutely scandalous. I mean, Frank Lampard definitely has his work cut out for him. I don't think he's going to have any, any excuse no. next season if he doesn't make any really, really important or very obvious adjustment to what's happening True. right now. Nobody's going to talk about how much of, um, how many young yeah. players is bringing yeah. through the team or whatever. If he doesn't challenge for a major title next year, I'm very, very sure Chelsea owners and fans would definitely lose patience in him. But let's talk about other teams. And I'm looking at what... what let's quickly run through uh, which clubs actually need signings. Because right now, these are really, really, really hard times for clubs. I mean, considering the, the effect of the coronavirus, it has really affected and hampered some clubs making decisions. I mean, clearly, Liverpool could easily have signed him yeah. now. But the excuse that I was giving up was that not too much money was available due to the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And pretty much sure it's going to be affecting a lot of teams. I mean, um, Manchester United can offer as much money as um, Dortmund would request oh, for if they really want to get Jadon um, And so this summer window, this this transfer window is really going to be very, 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 very harsh on, on clubs. And we know that some clubs really need to get players. Yes. So what, what really is going okay, to happen? So I think we're going to see a lot of swap deals this season. Honestly, the summer window, the kind of thing that we saw with Arthur and Pjanic, I think it's going to be very regular because what's going to happen is a lot of teams understand that they don't have a free hand. There isn't a whole lot of money. So before we bring in someone, we actually have to trim the deadwood. Maybe we're going to see a lot of that. Just a few a few clubs that I feel need signings. We've already spoken about one of them. Manchester City definitely needs to fix up their defence. Stay with the Premier League. Arsenal obviously have to sign. I mean, it was very hilarious when at the beginning of the season, they felt they coped David Luiz for £8 million from Chelsea and they thought that was the end of the defensive rules. I don't think I mean, it was, it was pretty hilarious. And then he goes on to concede four penalties in the season. So Arsenal definitely needs to sign a defender. 
Liverpool also, we've seen a trend of people winning, the, except Guardiola in between 2016 and 20, between 2017 and 2019, we've seen a trend where teams win the league and they really struggle in the next season. I think Liverpool need a goal-scoring midfielder, someone in the mode of Coutinho that they had a few years ago, and a striker that can regularly get them goals. I love what Firmino does with Lincoln, Mani and Salah, but if Firmino is having a rotten form in front of goal, they need someone that would actually score goals. Which other clubs? Barcelona. Uh, it's going to be very difficult. Barcelona definitely need a kick in that squad. Funny thing, I think one of the teams that I feel does not need to sign a single... Okay, maybe Real Madrid need a, just a striker because Jovic is not working out. They need a striker just in case anything happens to Karim Benzema. They look like a team that is almost totally old everywhere. I mean, they were bold enough to let Atraf Hakimi go, who has been arguably the best right back in the whole of Europe over the last two seasons. Probably only Trent has something to say about that. Looking at other teams across Europe, uh, I mean, Juventus, if Juventus don't sign, I feel they're still going to get things done in Italy. PSG will forever continue to dominate France. So I think for, for these Premier League teams that I mentioned, for Barcelona also, they definitely need to sign. Bayern Munich Munich, if they lose David Alaba because of the reports that he might leave and then Thiago might also leave, maybe they might just need to sign yeah. just to keep up the numbers. But you look at that Bayern Munich squad and it is still scary from top to bottom. But I, I think basically all the teams I've mentioned so far are the ones that need to strengthen. Talking about Bayern, I mean, they just acquired Lira, yep. Lira Sani. They really are going to be blowing teams away with pace. Like they've Nabry? got... Um, they've got... Um, Nabri, they've got Kuman, they've got Naosane, they've got uh, well, uh, Alfonso Davies. I mean, these guys are really going to be running riot when the 2020-2021 season kicks off. It really is going to be bonkers. And I honestly can't even wait for FIFA 21 when it comes out. I, I saw you talking about the piece of Bayern. Yeah. The amount of piece Bayern, even currently right now, the amount of piece they have True. up front, it's frightening. Now imagine adding Sane to that That's team. Insane. It's really going to be Mount Watherin. I just can't wait to see how teams will cope with that front line. Considering uh, and that's even if teams play with a high line when they play against them, because it's, it's going to be yeah. suicidal if you just play with a high line against teams that can easily break and I've got legs to, I've got pace to burn. It's really, really going to be difficult. But I mean, in fairness, I think you did justice to all those teams you mentioned, and I think. For Arsenal, I personally think Arsenal definitely is a player. They always need. But if if doing, yeah, if but I think about Arsenal is if doing in a more transfer, mm. you know they had to get Sam Mackie. Yes, what really that's what true. During this that's COVID, true. I mean, so it's really going to be very very shrewd businesses that will be going apart uh, all all across Europe. Maybe aside Chelsea, who have who have saved up enough yeah. money to to spend, they've gotten Ziyech, Timo Werner, and there's constantly reportage. That Chelsea will be signing another left back and probably go for a midfielder, come centre back, queuing um, Declan Rice. But I mean, it's going to be interesting yeah. to see what happens. And pretty much sure what we'll come around again next week, we'll definitely be looking at signings that have been made and what impact it will have on teams and how much these signings will help these teams fight for whatever they will be chasing in the coming season. However, I think it's really, really is going to be an interesting coming days, considering the amount of games we get to watch best of and how much transfers we'll get to see. Because officially, the transfer window opened earlier this week, so teams are already making signings, even if it's going to be pre-signings because of the corona times. But teams definitely 
and making adjustments to the lineup. And um, we'll be interested to see what happens eventually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this reminds me of when you just start career mode on FIFA or football manager and you spend your time scouting for players. It's yeah. always so interesting. You're always looking forward to signing new players. The peculiarity of the current situation we find ourselves in means we probably will not have those marquee figures for signings, but players are still going to move. We're still going to have players changing clubs already. So Sunny do that, Timo Werner, the likes. I still think Kai Havertz will probably move. It might not necessarily be Chelsea, but just stay tuned. The football centric definitely has you covered. And of course, you know that footballing season continues with back-to-back-to-back-to-back footballing action. That's the joy, bro. That's the joy. The fact that you can go back every single day and watch a single football game. I mean, that's what looking forward to. If you work the normal nine to five, you know that after you're done with work, you can go home and watch. You can stream. You can do whatever you want to do. But there's always a football game to catch. That's really, really fun. And I'm so grateful um, for for all these games that we get to watch. Because normally, this part of the year is probably one of the probably most important part of the year for football fans. And now we're getting a plethora of games to watch. I mean, that's that's yeah. just like heaven for me. But anyway, it's really, really been fun having you on uh, on this um, podcast, and I really, really, really appreciate you joining me. I mean, if I was all alone, oh my god, <laughs> I probably would have twenty minutes ago because I definitely would have gotten bored of myself. But right now, I mean, we could have gone on yeah. for another hour and still yeah. have a lot to talk about. <laughs> Yeah, but anyways, guys, this has been the first edition since. I mean, we could, I could, put, I could possibly say that this has been the first since edition the since. I knew you were going to be there. I knew you were going to be there. Yeah, so post, post, post COVID, this has been the first edition, and we're pretty sure that we won't leave you anytime. So we're going to be coming back every week to dish you all the very, very in-depth analysis on issues that are happening right here in. The world of football. So you want to take you want to say anything? Oh yeah, just the final thing. Of course, you know that not just on the podcast, you will always get our updates. Stalk us on our social media platforms. That is absolutely imperative. Absolutely oh, yeah. I am at Damilo Jusali, super active on Twitter. That's D A M I L O J U. S-A-L-I-U, no underscore. And I'm sure Toby has his handle right there to dish out right away. Oh, of course. Yeah. I mean, he spelled his. So you have to, you know, go back and maybe just go back and give a So you can actually get the words out. But you know what? Mine is at B2B. That's T-H-E-T-O-W-B-I. And you know what? You don't have to see, you don't have to stress yourself having to listen to us again. Spell out our handles. You could easily just follow us right yep. where we post this podcast. Exactly. It's going to be on social yep. media. So, I mean, it should be easy for you to do so. Hi, bro. Anyways, thank you very much for joining me. Absolutely. We'll be back again yes, next we week, guys. This has been fun, bro. This really has been fun. Let's do this again. Definitely. Hey, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Football Centric. Please join us again another time.